Come off the back of our first ever NBL playing games. There have been a bunch of NBA trades that have gone down in the last 24 hours. There have been the awards in the NBL handed out last week. Plenty to get through, but let's start with the NBL plans. Two games back to back, historical night for the NBL. How did you see it? I think it was a great spectacle. I think it's another good reason why to have the play-in games if if the last round of the regular season wasn't a good enough reason to have these do-or-die games and I know you were at the Phoenix uh, Perth game there's a lot to dissect from that one Um, and then um, just the resilience of the jack jumpers and I was speaking to someone the day before and I just said look Cairns has every chance to just blow them out of the water offensively but Tassie plays good playoff basketball at the end of the day. And it was noticeable from the opening tip, the intensity that they bought and how they were in Kansas' face. Uh, you knew Kansas was in for a long night and that's what, uh, what happened to them. They were my highlight as well. It's, they were absolute. I, I was the happiest guy in the world to be proven wrong with how well they did last year. And I was convinced that they'd fall out of the playoff picture this year. I, I just didn't see how they'd do it, losing their imports, bringing the crew they had back. Uh, yeah, a little bit more awareness of them from the other teams. But as you say, they're built for playoff basketball. I still think they're doing it with slightly less talent than, than what some of the other teams remaining in the playoffs have available to them. But the job Scott Roth has done, he wasn't even in coach of the year consideration for the top three. He's been incredible. What a what a great choice to select him as your inaugural coach when, again, he wasn't the most popular choice. But I'll tell you what, if just on a two-year body of work, I'm, I'm not sure there's been a, a more successful first-time coach in the NBL. But for, for me, especially without their starting point guard in such a big game, to, to go up to Cairns and get that win comfortably, full credit to Tasmania. Yeah, I knew... The moment wouldn't be lost on Jared Weeks, obviously going to playing against his old team up in Cairns. Like he was always going to be reliable to step into that position. Uh, Sean McDonald has been just rock solid all year. Um, he's been great. And then Isaac White. Like talk about, he is, he is the NBL's Steve Kerr of waiting his time, being patient. He might not play a game, but when his number's called, he seems to always deliver, always deliver. Um, and it's nice to have someone that he can just turn to down the end of the bench and saying, we need a little bit of spark offensively. Um, he, he's, he's the guy. I thought Jack McVeigh probably didn't get off to the greatest start. You know, he, he wanted to do well. You know he wants to do well for Tassie. You know he wants to do well for Scott Roth. He was a little bit nervous to start off with, but... What we saw last year and what we saw this year is really solid, solid Australian play around outstanding import play. 
And last night, Rashad Kelly, Milton Doyle were both outstanding in their roles. The two guys, just to pick up on the first two names you said, then Isaac White and Sean McDonald. Just those two names alone continue to highlight the recruitment mindset that the club has where they're looking for players who are after a second chance. And I had Sean McDonald, actually I had Sean for four or five years as a Victorian Metro State player. And we loved him and he begged United and begged the Phoenix for an opportunity to be a development player. He turned up to train, they kept sending him away. So he's had his fair share of no's already as well. And what he's been able to do when he was told by the two clubs in his home city that he wasn't good enough to be an NBL player, again, he's outstanding. Let's move on to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix Perth game. And I messaged you at halftime because we saw a Wildcats game really early on in the season when there were a lot of question marks about Brady Manick. And I, I, I always had the sense that he's got the type of game that would suit playoff basketball. He shoots a great. The minute he found his confidence and found his stroke, every time he touches it now, he's thinking shooting. I can only imagine that's come from John Rilly, but it seemed up until halftime that Bryce Cotton was in a real slump one of 19 in his final regular season game, two points at halftime, six at three-quarter time. Brady Manick kept them around. that He kept the scoreboard ticking over in the first half with 19. The Phoenix always seemed as though they were going to get the upper hand and overpower them. And the Wildcats, Luke Travers, I thought, had a, his second exceptional game in a row, but they hung around and hung around until Bryce Cotton became Bryce Cotton again and it was over. That that fourth quarter was as impressive for the Wildcats as it was devastating and, let's be honest, unimpressive for the Phoenix to to wind up their season like that on their home floor would be very disappointing. But for me, Brady Manning in the first half, Luke Travers putting together a a consistent body of work when it matters. Uh, But, again, we were just reminded that whenever you play Perth and and Bryce Cotton's on the floor, doesn't matter how many ahead you are, there's still a chance. Yeah, very very impressive last quarter by the Wildcats and a very underwhelming last quarter for Southeast Melbourne, uh, Phoenix. Uh, I can't help but think, like the roster of the Phoenix, if you look at it, Gary Brown, he's, he's a solid import point guard. He was really good. I thought he was really. I thought he was their best player last night. I thought he was really good. Yeah, Alan Williams, solid. Look at his numbers. He was solid. Would Joe Chi make it to this game all the season? No, I don't think they. They never found a way to play him down the stretch last year. Would he make a difference against the the Perth Wildcats frontcourt? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I just think the the Wildcats, if you remember back to the Wildcats versus Cairns to end the season, and Cairns just, just monstered them on the boards and just destroyed their soul, essentially. And I couldn't help but think, if Joe Chi was here as a backup, it allows Alan Williams to be a little bit more aggressive than what he was. And he, he already had a really good game, but... If he goes to the bench early, then Dame Pinot comes in. Like, but then the decision from Simon 
where you're resting Brokoff for majority of the second half and then bring him in for the last two shots. Trey Kells just hit a couple shots. Yeah. Like, You know what? It was interesting. I was thinking about you at the time when you guys fell behind us and we spoke about it a couple of weeks back in that grand final series and you brought the injured guy back in. And Dante Draper. Dante Draper turned the game out. I think that was the thought. It seemed that his, that his hope was that he could get Brockhoff get through the game without needing him. But, no, God, the, the first air ball he shot over the rim, it missed by a mile. The second corner three missed badly. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, as a coach, you want your best shooter shooting the shots a matter, but he had been sitting a long time. I'll tell you what, the, the other interesting one for me, I think, and I think Simon figured it out halfway through, Foxwell's a better player than Kyle Adnam. Every single time... The Adnam, that Adnam was on the floor, they just went at him. The, the, scored at will, kept the scoreboard ticking over. And, you know, like you said, that one more body for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, especially on the defensive end, would have been really, really helpful to allow a few more minutes rest for their, for their studs. We've known, we've known Simon for quite some time now. Is he in the hot seat? I, I don't think so. Look, I think making the playoffs, there are always going to be reviews. I think they got through that last year. Um, my biggest review would be how they manage the physical conditioning of the players because their excuse or reason is always we haven't had a full roster. There needs to be, someone needs to be responsible for making sure that their roster is at full strength for the majority of the season because the coach can only... A lot of, the players a lot of soft tissue a lot of soft tissue. Right. And a lot of games missed from key players, which is a difference between finishing fifth and third, the difference between having rock off all game and not. There, there are so many factors that just having a healthy roster or a healthier roster would just help. The, they just haven't had they just haven't got that part right yet. Um, well, you look at the you look at the three te- three out of the six teams. They've got key injuries at the moment. So, obviously, Tazzy with Josh Majet, uh, Cairns with Keanu Pinder. Now, Keanu Pinder's uh, is different. That's an impact injury to your face. I, I would put that in a different category. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying in general, like if you look at this finals, this play-in series, or whatever, half of the teams that are in it are missing key players for whatever reason. At the end of the day. Uh, this really opens up a door and an opportunity for the Sydneys that maybe have had a few niggling injuries to rest up, a few uh, for New Zealand that have well-documented, done it really tough on the road for two years, but being able to secure themselves a top-two spot to to freshen up, uh, awaiting. Um, those two teams are in the box position. You say, I, I, I think you it's say, going to be hard. You say, you say opening up the door for Sydney. They've had a, a set of Constantina doors all season wrong, bolted open. They're, they're the short. Yeah. They've remained the short price favourite, but it, it really is. It's theirs to lose. I, I just don't see a team as big an effort as Perth put in last night. That's not Sydney Kings level. What I saw last night. I still think the New Zealand breakers are a little bit inconsistent. We mentioned the skill level of Tasmania. I think if Tassie found their way through, they'd find the same problem that they occurred that they found last year in the championship series. They just got out-talented. Uh, and the Cairns Taipans, without Keanu Pinder, 
are really, really thin in their front court, and I think the Kings can beat them up. It's absolutely the Kings' championship to lose. And, and looking forward to this next little bit, the Taipans are no guarantees to beat the Wildcats. To absolutely not. Absolutely the, not. The, it's it's the, a fascinating the, final series. It, it finals, play-in, play It's been credit to Jeremy Lowliger in the NBL. There are a lot of raised eyebrows, but I think every set of games we go through this postseason series, uh, they've been, he says, vindicated uh, in their decision to put it in. So, so let's let's agree with him on that one. Hey, uh, a few other players who were vindicated. I'd love your thoughts of the NBL awards happened through the week. Any, I don't think surprised anyone that Xavier Cooks won MVP, but you had a small surprise maybe with the voting. Yeah, I was surprised that Mitch Creek was that far behind both Xavier and, and Bryce in the voting at the end of the day. Uh, I still thought Xavier Cooks would win it. I still think... Bryce Cotton is the most valuable person to any team um, at the end of the day. Um, if you take Bryce out of that team, um, I don't I don't think they're anywhere near as good as what their record states at the end of the day. Uh, if you take Xavier Cooks out of his team, I still think there is enough talent there to have a, a, a successful record. Uh, and maybe... Bryce is at that stage where it's like a LeBron, like we just expect greatness from him, but we don't give him the accolades at the end of the day. So in my mind, I still thought Bryce should be the MVP. I'm not surprised that Xavier Cooks won the MVP, and I'm surprised that Mitch Creek, who, let's face it, had a stellar, stellar season. Uh, And when we talk about most valuable, if you take Mitch Creek out of the Phoenix, then they would have been absolutely screwed this year. So I was surprised that his votes weren't higher. 100% on Mitch Creek with me as well. He carried that team through weeks with those injuries when they were carrying the injuries we've already spoken about. And for me, I I had him really, really close to Xavier Cooks with Bryce Third, Um, Mm -hmm. but in a really, really close three-way Contest. I didn't think it would be that one-sided. Now, another historical award winner, uh, Keanu Pinder. Uh, and I know you've got to – I'll let you – I'll open the floor to you to talk about the, the Taipans. Keanu Pinder wins back-to-back most improved players. Adam Ford wins coach of the year. Mark Beecroft wins executive, the, uh, executive of the year. You, the Cairns Taipans almost – well, they didn't sweep the awards. They won a number of them, but – You've seen that club firsthand. Yeah, really impressive and, and impressive for a, a small, smaller statured team in Wardenburg. In this league, let's not forget Wardenburg. And, and Wardenburg for the next next gen, which I think was that might have been a surprise because I'd, I'd I still was, have Sam Crawling. I was so as, happy he won that because for was, me, was, go was back to Rookie same. of the Year, still have it, but yeah. that Rookie of the Year as well. 25. So, 25 is not even young anymore. Imagine if Josh so Giddings... So Wardenburg can win it for the next four, four years. She he can win it, it for seven years in a row. You're not the next gen. You're the current generation if you're as good as some of the players in the league. Next gen suggests you're not there yet. Rookie. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. So go ahead with the Taipans. But the Taipans, kudos to them. And on top of that, Keanu and DJ Hogue making second team all NBL. A fantastic night for the Taipans organisation. Uh, a lot of credit goes to the Ford factory and, you know, 
saying that basically I'm going to roll with these young kids, give them as much confidence. And if you looked just on social media of how many of players, current ex-players of Adam Ford that coached him, that have been a part of his coaching journey, how happy they were for him. This guy was a prison security guard. This guy has done it all to get to where he is and um, really happy for 40. You can tell the players love him. I've been to a couple of their training sessions. I think the young kid says it's a vibe. Well, it's a vibe around the Taipans training. Like, it is upbeat. There's so much energy happening while it's going on. The coaches are having fun. The players are having fun. Uh, I remember sitting there with uh, Matty Burston. Uh, I caught up with Matty Burston earlier this year, and uh, I was talking about him because he lives in Cairns. He sees their training sessions from time to time. I said, training under Aaron Fern was like Groundhog Day. It was depressing. Walking into a Taipans training now, like you can tell why people want to stay and do extras and why they're enjoying themselves and why they're playing with so much freedom and fun on the court. Like it is a joy for them to come and do what they do every day. There is not a dull day at the Taipans facility and uh, kudos to Ford, kudos to Beecroft, kudos to the players that buy into that system as well and for taking their opportunity, not only Wardenberg, but you look at Ben Eyre, you look at Bull Quoll, all those guys have uh, been given an opportunity and they've run with it. So there's another coach that the Brisbane Bullets just signed, Justin Shuler, we should touch on before we get away from the NBL, who may very well need to take some notes um, from what the Cairns Taipans are doing. He's come from one of the biggest budget clubs. He's going to a much smaller budgeted club. He'll be looking, I'm sure, to bring on young players that he's worked with as the Australian junior national coach, but a little bit of a surprise that Shula was announced, a little bit of a surprise that it was done so early. Um, you know, other names had to have been in contention, the Judd Flavels of the world, the Pero Cameron joined their bench uh, towards the end of the season. He must have got an interview, you'd imagine, but they've gone with Justin Shula, who's been a part of the Australian Junior National Program around United now as their lead assistant for a number of years at, any thoughts on that hire? Any thoughts on perhaps someone who you were surprised maybe didn't get a look? So I must have missed the news, but I heard it last night. And someone goes, what do you think of the Brisbane Brisbane's new coach? And I said, well, who is it? I've, I've missed it. And they said, oh, someone that's come up with the Australian system. And I was like, okay. And so obviously I thought of Shuler, I thought of... Um, your mate down at the COE uh, as well. Robbie um, McKinlay. Ro Robbie McKinlay. I thought, oh, okay. And then obviously saw the news that it was Shula. And I was, you've got Perro Cameron on your bench. Nothing against Justin Shula, but you've got Perro Cameron on your bench. You've got a national team coach on your bench. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of the Brisbane Bullets and what happened and who interviewed and whatnot. But how do you let that slip? How, I, it, it, it confused me. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'm confused. Uh, I've got the highest regard for Perry Cameron. Obviously, he was one of my assistants at the Gold Coast Blaze back in the day under Joey Wright. He's a guy that every player respected. If he said something... 
you knew he wasn't saying it to be an arsehole. You knew he was saying it out of respect. You knew that he knew what he was talking about when it comes to basketball. You couldn't find a probably a more higher regarded guy in the FIBA system growing up because everyone from Yao Ming to Shaq knew who Pero Cameron was. I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd want an understanding of why Pero wasn't the guy at the end of the day. I think we're going to learn a lot more about that one as we get through the offseason. We see who gets recruited into the club and what sort of recruiting power Shula's got. And I think, like anyone else, you sit back and you give him a chance. But uh, I think it was a very safe choice. I think he's been around elite systems for a long time. He's been involved in the NBL for a long time. Uh, surprising they did it so quickly for me. Now, do you think, do you think Justin Shuler control Sobian and Baines? Do I think you hold on to Sobian Baines? Uh, have, have the risk to be able to get those. I think when you're a coach who hasn't coached anyone, you probably find a way to demand it or earn it straight away. So that'll be on him to get that. Um, I think Baines and Sobey are both professional enough that whoever walks in in that role, they will respect the role before they respect the person. And that's probably where Greg, Greg Vanderjack was at a disadvantage that everybody on that team knew he hadn't coached. He was their second assistant. And I, I am pleased uh, that, the, that they have re, re-engaged uh, Greg Vanderjack as one of their assistants. So a lot of time when you take that interim head coaching job and a new coach comes in, you get shuffled to avoid the awkwardness and you, you get bumped from the bench, but Greg Vanderjeck stayed in that role as an assistant. So time will tell, but I, I think that they will. Um, NBA, let's go with this. Um, where do we start with the craziness over the last couple of days? Kyrie Irving, we spoke about. We're on the, let's go straight to Kevin Durant. And we'll pick this quick. Let, let's not pick apart every single trade. Let's make it easy question. Are the Phoenix Suns a championship contender now with Kevin Durant? They're a contender, yes. Will they win it? No. It gives you the vibes of the Lakers when they went Peyton, Malone, uh, Shaq, Kobe. What stops them winning it? Their starting position? No. What stops them from winning it is the role players difference come finals your superstars play but a they haven't had enough time to know who is going to be their their role players who's going to take the last shot between Devin Booker and KD is DeAndre Aiden going to stay happy because we know that that's been a frustration in the past when he doesn't get the love that he needs now he's probably fourth string in that big four in more all likelihood there's more questions than answers at the end of the day for me. I just find that they've overloaded with exceptional talent and they don't have enough core to be able to bring it all together. We'll see how some of those uh, those end of the bench jump. Hopefully we still see Jock Landale in the rotation as well. Hey, now another team that probably wants you to pretend that they're a championship contender, but they're not of the Lakers. They got off the Russell Westbrook contract. Uh, they bought in D'Angelo Russell, Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Mo Bamba. So they got better, and they've just improved what you've described. They've improved their role-playing capabilities. Vanderbilt will go and rebound like crazy for you. Malik Beasley in that system will knock down shots. Russell's been really good with the Timberwolves the last little bit, but he's come back to the Lakers. Like, 
you can only expect he'll be okay and he'll give you everything Russell Westbrook did. So they got better, surely. The only storyline that comes out of this is Malik Beasley is dating Scotty Pippen Jr.'s mum. And now you've got Scotty Pippen Jr. in the locker room uh, with a guy that's dating his mum. That's the best storyline to come out of this Lakers trade at the end of the day. Um, the Lakers. That, hey, it, could be, it could be a good relationship. Do we know? Does he call him dad? I don't know. <laughs> that, honestly, that is the best storyline to come out of this whole situation with the Lakers. They're, they're pretenders. They're not going to come close. Watch this space. Like the floor, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks got Jay Crowder. He helps. 3 and D, exactly what they need. Bit of insurance off the bench. We, we got anything more to add to that? No, I think that is. He was always been a very solid role player to me and just uh, gives him an extra body in that rotation. That doesn't help. Uh, that doesn't hurt him, sorry. Um, now, the Golden State Warriors, uh, this trade period was almost like a, a bunch of players coming home. Gary Payton Jr. finds his way back to the Golden State Warriors. The, the Warriors, I'm sure, understand what I think a lot of people understood when he left was how valuable he was on the defensive end to their championship run last year. They get off James Wiseman for next to nothing. That was one of the longest high draft pick experiments that, that we've seen in a while. They've improved short-term, long-term. It probably hurts them a little bit. Yeah, I I, I really like Gary Payton II. He's, he's just a solid player and he fits well into that system. So it makes a whole lot of sense. Like you said, Wiseman's been a a long-term project and it might be a little bit longer until he actually finds his way, but I think it's probably good for him as well to get out of that system and find a new home. Absolutely. Now, um, before I mention him, we'll, I'll ask you about Kyrie Irving now that we've seen him in a Mavs uniform in a moment, albeit without Luca. but Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz just continue to make incredible decisions and incredible deals in their front office. They've actually gone and they've picked up Russell Westbrook for a few months. They've, they've rented him. And they'll get off his contract. They've gotten off $14 million of guarantee to Mike Conley. They've given up three role players in a non-championship contending team and converted it all into a first-round draft pick. They're, the way they are building that club up for future success has been incredible. Um, probably don't even need Danny to comment. That. That's more a statement he's, than a question. He's a genius. He's so good in his role. And uh, he's got a great eye for talent as well. And so uh, this is not a surprise to anyone. I don't think that he's excelled in this new role at the Jazz. I watched Kyrie Irving. I, I said it was going to be hard to watch, but like a train wreck, I had to watch it. Um, he was okay um, in his first game at the Mavs. It's, uh, did he walk home? Did I see someone on social media walked home with the fans? Um, anyway, uh it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when Luca comes back. But, you know, the, the more I sit back and I think about it, if they can reduce Luca's usage and let him have rest periods within the time he's on the floor when these games really, really matter and they do everything to take the ball out of his hands, the, the, scout, against the, the, the scout against the Mavs right now is get the ball out of Luca's hands at half court, make it really hard for him to get it back. But essentially you give up a four-on-three opportunity every time. Now you're giving that up to Kyrie Irving and guys, who, one genuine superstar on the court who can play, make sure, you know what, he's in a contract year. 
the negative stuff I don't think will probably surface until later because he does have a lot of money riding on doing the right thing for four months. So it could just work out well for the Mavs. I don't think they win the championship. It may be more interesting to watch than I initially thought, but um, did you see any of it? Have you, you've had time to digest that one as a Mavs fan as well. What do you think? Well, let's let's be honest. You watched it because you didn't pick up your number, number eleven. You were too afraid that he would. Uh, I, was, I was looking caught, forward to seeing um, a lot of Mavs elevens running around again, but uh, I think it's like when I did my homework, and I'm not very good at doing my homework, as anyone will tell you. I think uh, one of the players already actually has it on the Mavericks, so probably was never going to get it. Hardaway Junior's number eleven, so probably wouldn't have got it, but. Um, we just think, need Tim, we need Tim Hardaway Jr. selling a few more jerseys. Come on, mate. Um, no, I think you're right. Luca's usage definitely had to go down at the end of the day. Um, and it does give him – he's been crying out to play with a second superstar for a while. So, like you said, Kyrie's got a lot riding on this. The ugly probably won't raise its, raise its head this season. Um, I think this is just a rental because he'll find his way to Los Angeles to play with LeBron next year in all likelihood at the end of the day. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, I mean, we say that they're not a championship team, but Luca took him pretty damn close by himself last year. Um, the accelerated play of Josh Green again, who I highlighted in the last podcast, would benefit from this trade. He's been exceptional. He's been exceptional the last couple of weeks. Absolutely has. So, so wasn't, uh, wasn't that thrilled with his? Wasn't that thrilled with another Aussie going past my twenty six points? And he just bypassed that. But uh, he's he's been really really good. I'd. And, and you know what? He'll be a thirty plus minute game. Sorry. I don't think he'll be the last Aussie that does it. By the way. There, he will be a 30-plus-minute-a-game guy when the playoffs roll around. He's that important to the Mavericks now. And to consider, I'll, I'll go back, and we've just had Dirk here, and I reminded him, but Dirk Nowitzki had said that although, and Josh Green was in a lot of trade conversations in the offseason, said that he was clearly their preseason MVP. So internally, the club's seen what he's been doing for longer than what we have as a basketball viewing public, we're just seeing it now. And the ple- the most pleasing part is we're seeing it at a time when it really, really matters. So uh, really excited for Josh Green. Last one, Thibel, Portland. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't have many. I mean, he goes to Portland. He, he gets away from Philadelphia. Might also be someone who will really benefit from a, a new environment. Uh, you know, I think the Josh Hart to New York one, I've got a little bit of an interest in New York. I thought that was good for them and they needed to get some. I don't think they gave up much. They gave up a protected first round draft pick and the young fellow who came up. So um, they, they weren't wrapped with him in the locker room. They got an upstanding rental, but I think they'll hope to keep him. But uh, Matisse Thibel in Portland. Let's see if it's a playoff run. Let's see what they want to do with him moving forward. But as we've seen a number of times, a new situation, a new environment can really help players who get stale. And maybe Matisse uh, was a little bit stale in the role that Doc Rivers had given him, especially leading into the playoffs when we know 
but he doesn't have that much confidence in putting him on the floor when defenders start helping off him. Uh, that'll probably do it for this week, mate. There's, uh, we'll keep running through them. We'll, we'll get through the NBA play, NBL playoffs. Uh, we'll see how these trade, that the players who got traded settle into their new environments. And uh, just another real quick one, maybe a quick shout-out to Lauren Jackson. She went in and had her surgery after that big WNBL game that they built up and broke the record. So she got both feet in a cast. Her season's done. Uh, she hasn't made any announcements about her career moving forward, but the, the signs are that she may decide that it's enough uh, with putting her body through what she's been through. So if that's the case, uh, we farewell for a second time one of the best basketball careers in in basketball history across the board and wish her all the best moving forward. And I think thank her for what she was able to provide Australian basketball in a time and a struggle when one of their other stars was really, really problematic. She really righted the ship. So good on you, Loz. I hope you heal up quick. I love you, Loz. And uh, like you said, just uh, the best Australian basketballer we've ever produced. Point blank, period. She's the greatest that we've ever produced. And we hope she recovers quickly. And we hope she looks after herself and whatever she decides to do next, if she goes into retirement again, she deserves it because she was outstanding over the past 18 months with what she's done for basketball in Australia. So all the best, Lods. We're there. We'll catch you in a week. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.